Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. from death to life and his 
call, blessed salvation once for all, once for all, O sinner, receive it, once for all, O brother, believe it, cling to the cross, the burden will fall, Christ has redeemed us once stand please and sing heavenly sunshine my how this chorus is loved around the world i'm mighty glad rudy that you can play that piano like that boy oh boy mighty happy to have george with us and leland green leader of the chorus choir and the quartet boys we're all here with a fine audience today in long beach now as you sing through turn around shake hands with as many as possible We'll have many stories to tell you from time to time about heavenly sunshine all together. Heavenly sunshine. Turn right around. Give everybody a handshake. Thank you and be seated, please. I claimed him 
thy face, I could love him forever. So gracious and tender was he. Thank you, each one, for your prayers, both for the meetings and for our safety. 
we feel it was a most profitable, most fruitful journey in conversions, in consecrations, and in making new friends. God very graciously planned that this should be a somewhat restful trip for my dear husband, for he spoke only six times in the ten days in Florida, and it was greatly appreciated. I must not say much more except that Mr. Fuller spoke at Lakeland, Orlando, Boca Raton, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and at Nassau in the Bahamas. Everywhere were almost unbelievable numbers of people, such dear, warm-hearted folks in all walks of life who love this hour. And let me tell you a secret which warmed my heart. They love my dear husband, and they feel that his ministry has been such a great blessing in their lives through all these years. Sometimes I think Mr. Fuller is the most beloved man in the whole wide world. And now, uh, just two letters. One from Illinois, dear Reverend Fuller. My husband was converted last March, just before our 24th wedding anniversary. The other day he said, My, what a change. I used to get so angry at you for having the old-fashioned revival hour on the radio every Sunday, but now I don't get up and leave the house the way I used to, but I enjoy it just as much as you do. Our family of five children are all saved but one. We go to Sunday school and church and take part in all the activities of the church. A letter came this week from a young woman in deep trouble, heartbroken, baffled, such a sad letter, and how we do wish that she had signed her name and given an address so that we could write to her and help her. No one need ever fear that her name will be divulged, his name or her name, for these letters are absolutely confidential, and in so many desperate cases we've been able to help greatly. So do always give your name and address when writing to us, whether you're in trouble or not. This last letter from South Carolina, dear Mr. Fuller, I'm a truck driver, long trips, can't get to my church often, but I have a good radio in my cab, and I can say that your service is indeed food for the Christian heart and soul, as well as bringing salvation to sinners. If I ever get to California, I'll find some way to get to Long Beach and meet you. I know you need help, or you couldn't carry on this great broadcast, so I am glad that my small offering can help carry the teachings of Jesus, and I can pray, too. And then just this one more comment, something that made Mr. Fuller very happy on this trip. Seven different young men came to him in different meetings in different parts of Florida and said virtually the same thing. I listened to you as I was growing up. I was converted right by my radio. I became established in the faith as I continued to listen. I heeded God's call to the ministry, took my training, and now am pastoring a little church out in the country or a small town somewhere in the south. These young men were fine-looking young fellows, and they seemed so happy in God's service. This truly encouraged and gladdened Mr. Fuller's heart. Fruit and increasing fruit. And that is all I shall have time to read today, friends.
May we stand please and sing two verses of number 132. What a friend we have in Jesus. Remain standing for prayer. First and third verses of number 132. gratifying to realize that the preaching of the word through the old-fashioned revival hour has been such a blessing to countless millions, and I say that conservatively. Dan, will you lead us in prayer? Shall we all unite our hearts together in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for the great access that we have with Thee in prayer, the very same access that Christ Thy Son has for we are bidden to come unto thee in prayer in his name. And we thank thee for the great friend that we have in thee, that though our pathway leads through trials and sufferings, yet thou dost understand, for thou dost know all of our ways. And Christ thy Son suffered himself, and therefore is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And, Father, we pray that we may learn the lesson which is sometimes hard to learn and hard to remember, that the Christian life is not to be lived by our puny self-efforts, but simply by abiding in Christ and allowing him to live through us. And so we pray today for those of thy people undergoing difficulties and trials, that they may learn to cast all their anxiety upon thee and find in thee perfect rest and peace. We pray today especially for those tuned into this broadcast who are lonely. And, Father, we pray that they may come to know Thee and Christ, the friend who sticks closer than a brother, and know Thee, the one who will never leave them nor forsake them. We thank Thee for the many that have come to know Christ, and we pray that many more may come to know Him in the days to come. 
For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, Repent Ye Therefore and Be Converted. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 3, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message.
please take your Bibles and turn to the third chapter of the book of Acts. In the first ten verses, we find the inspired account of the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple. And then in verses 11 to 26, Peter the apostle explains to the assembled crowd the meaning of the things that had happened. We're not unmindful that the scene here is peculiarly Hebrew, for the place was the temple in Solomon's porch. The people were undoubtedly permanent residents in Jerusalem. It was at Pentecost, a Jewish feast, and Peter's address, especially from verses 11 to the end of the chapter, was primarily Hebrew in character, for he said, Ye men of Israel, and he speaks of the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, and then the passages of Scripture that he used were almost all from the Old Testament, especially in verses 18 to 22. Beloved friends, it would be most profitable to meditate upon Peter's second sermon, especially in the light of Israel's calling, her disobedience, her great need of repentance, of her coming future restoration, reconciliation to Christ, and a restoration to the land, the coming return of Christ from the glory above, coming in person and in great power. All this would be most profitable. However, today may we meditate upon verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. In that verse, there's a much-needed message for us in 1953. All Scripture, remember, bear in mind, is given by inspiration. God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Hence, I'm taking just a portion of the 19th verse, which is God's Word, speaking to you on this much-needed message. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. In this verse, there are at least three main divisions. First, God, through the Spirit-empowered witness Peter, beseeches men to repent and be converted. Second, the basic reason for this urgent beseeching is stated there. Third, and this is the climax and important, listen carefully, please, that without repentance and conversion, sin cannot be pardoned. God, through his Spirit-empowered witness, Peter beseeches men to repent and be converted. Now, repent, or repentance in its literal meaning, means to change one's mind, finding out after man's wisdom or after wisdom, finding out that one is wrong, a sinner before God. He changes his mind, and in the repentance... In the repentance, he changes his attitude towards God. 
and repentance may be stated as follows. Listen carefully. This is out of a little children's hymn book. Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before and show that we in earnest grieve by doing so no more. Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before and show that we in earnest grieve by doing so no more. Repentance is the discovery of the evil of sin and godly sorrow that we have committed it and a determined resolution to forsake it. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Repentance, true repentance, makes a man love what he once hated and hate what he once loved. Conversion means a turning around, a turning from, and a turning to the things of God. Turning around from sin, a turning to holiness, a turning from carelessness to the thought from the world of the world about us, the heaven about, from self to the Savior. For note in First Thessalonians, first chapter, about the Thessalonican believers, having received the word in much affliction, how ye turn to God from idols to receive the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come, of turning to God from the things of the world. Now follow. When the prodigal son out in the far country was feeding his swine, and on a sudden he began to consider his way to come to himself, that was repentance. But wait. When he set out, and left the far country, and went to his father's house, that was conversion. Repentance comes through faith, hearing of God's word. Conversion is works. Evidence of one's faith by forsaking the broad road to walk the narrow path of righteousness. And so Peter says, Repent ye. Hearing the word of God that you're a sinner before him, lost, undone, without hope, without Christ, and then repenting godly sorrow, forsaking, come out and be converted. Change your mind. Be sorry for what you have done. Forsake your old ways. Be turned around and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And listen, faith without works is dead. Repent is the faith part of it. Conversion is the outward acts evidencing that you have changed and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
So change your minds. Be sorry for what you have done. Forsake your old ways. Be turned and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when one really repents and is converted, then the wonder-working power of the gospel does its mighty work. The power of God comes into you unto salvation. And this great power lies not in the sinner, nor in the preacher, but in the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God sent as an arrow under the power of the Holy Spirit brings conviction, brings repentance, brings conversion, brings the the blocking, the blotting out of one's sin. And the moment that you hear God's Word, for he that heareth my Word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and the moment that you repent, Turn from your wicked way. Come back to the feet of him who loved you and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That moment, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, I want you to notice briefly the second place in the 19th verse. The basic reason for this urgent, this urgent beseeching. Repent ye therefore. Goes back to a series of arguments and I only have time to touch upon one or two of them. He had a reason for this. He says, listen, because you living right now like the Israelites of old have put Jesus to death. That's a pretty strong statement. But ye have denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Listen. Every sin is a spear thrust in the side of Christ. Every sin is a spear thrust in the side of Christ. Sin is a God-killing thing. Sin is direct, deliberate rebellion against the lawgiver to thrust God aside, to live independently of God, to say in so many words in the face of God, let there be no God. I will do what I please. Bear in mind, sinning friend, that the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die, that the wages of sin is death, spiritual separation, that the way of the transgressor is hard, and if you die in your sins, you cannot come where Jesus is. And so Peter uses another argument in verse 15. This one whom ye have had a part in putting to death, because of sin, God hath raised from the dead, and God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name above every name. Listen. Your sins put Christ on the cross. You continue, will you, to crucify him afresh and trample underfoot the precious blood of Christ? Dare you? Continue another moment outside of Christ 
in rebellion, dead in trespasses and sin, and thrusting spear thrust into his side continually? Dare you trifle with the grace of God? It's the last sermon I ever preach. I beseech you to be checked up, come to a halt, and repent, and be converted. Dare you to continue to stab the heart of Christ, God's Son, day after day by your vicious sin and godless living? Remember, He is coming back unless we are converted and in Him He will come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another argument, verse 16, in that word, therefore, that is by faith in Him, Christ is able to do for you all that you need for time and eternity. By faith in Him. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. I must close. I want to get to this point that without repentance and conversion, sin cannot be pardoned. Notice in verse 19, these words, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. What is that word? Are those words blotted out? Now listen. Many Oriental merchants in the time of Christ and in the time of the Old Testament kept their business accounts on a little, little tablets of wax. On these tablets of wax, they indented marks which recorded the debts And when those debts were paid, listen, they took the blunt end of the metallic pencil and just flattened down the wax. And the account entirely disappeared. That was the form of blotting out in those days. And when a man who had been in debt would come to the merchant and see if his count had been uh, paid, He'd take the little tablet, and the tablet would be smooth, and the record of debt was blotted out. That's what God said. Now God says, he that repenteth and is pardoned is through through the precious blood of Christ. He's so forgiven that there's no record of his sin. Think of it. You who have committed adultery and murder, you who have taken the name of God in vain, you who have embezzled and stolen, you who have desecrated the holy day and so forth, listen, the moment that you repent and are converted, God says, I'll blot them out. There'll be no more record against you anymore forever. What a beautiful picture of the forgiveness of sins. It's all gone. No trace left. But wait. Repentance and conversion are necessary before that blotting out. Except ye repent, 
he will likewise perish. And he that confesses and forsaketh his sin shall find mercy. You must turn, repent, you must turn, or on the authority of God's word you will burn. There's no middle ground. It's either one or the other. And the second death is the lake of fire which burneth forever. And no drunkard, no harlot, no murderer, no embezzler, godless, sinning person will ever enter into the gates of heaven unless first he has repented and forsaken and converted in walking God's way through Jesus Christ. Remember that. But God says, To that man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word, will I forgive and pardon and blot out his sin. And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Listen. The door of redemption, reconciliation, heaven is shut and fast bolted to every man who will keep his sin. But that door is wide open to the biggest, blackest, most damnable sinner if he will now repent and forsake and leave his sins and lay hold of Jesus and put his trust in him. His sin will be blotted out. Let's bow our heads and pray. You out in Radio Land, you've been flaunting your sins in the face of God for many years. Don't exhaust the patience of God. Truly, He's long-suffering. Someday, His patience will come to an end. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, but come now. Let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Wherever it's possible out in the radio audience across the nations, kneel down and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me for Christ's sake. I do repent. Save me, receive me. Wash my heart in the precious blood of Christ. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.